Hi everyone, welcome to the sixth episode of Deep End Life After Uni. Today I have Brandon Amaral, who is a Senior Associate Consultant at Bain with me today. It's great to be here, Colin. Bit of fan of the show. <laughs> so tell, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, of course. So obviously born in Perth, um, did high school in South Perth, did a university um, of WA and studied Bachelor of Commerce for yep. three years yep. um, before doing kind of six months of medicine. And now currently full-time position at Bain & Company. And I've now been there for two and a half years. Oh, thanks for that. So firstly, why did you choose consulting? Yeah, that was a tough decision. I found out, found out about consultancy kind of midway through my first year of university. Yeah. Um, and then throughout university, I was kind of tossing up between three main career pathways. One being consultancy, the other one being investment banking. And lastly, the third one being medicine. Yeah. So it took a long time to kind of finally now my kind of choice to consultancy, but it was kind of this a method by kind of trial and error. So yeah. throughout my kind of three years of commerce, I tried out a lot of corporate finance investment banking types of roles. Mm-hmm. So that led me to intern at like a boutique investment bank in Perth and then kind of a bulge bracket investment bank in Melbourne. So I tried that out and I didn't see myself enjoying that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of ruled that out. Afterwards, I tried out kind of medicine for six months, mm-hmm. and that was that was a great experience. Learned a lot, but I didn't see kind of my future being down that path. Yeah. And then lastly, I kind of knew about consultancy, and my brother was deeply involved um, in consultancy as well. And that's kind of when I turned. I think consultancy was where my future led, and was exactly where I was looking for in terms of it didn't narrow my choice or d- narrow down my career pathway mm-hmm. in a certain way, and that it was very open. Yeah. that people can leave consultancy and go to kind of any other industry. Um, so it wasn't kind of like you're locked into one industry for mm-hmm. the rest of your life, which is kind of what I want and kind of my flexibility in my career. Yeah. So during uni, what did you actually study? Yeah. So I studied the Bachelor of Commerce, uh, Finance and Accounting for three years. Yeah. Um, yeah, with yourself, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> partners, mate. Partners, exactly. <laughs> group, group partners. So for those that don't, uh, no, Brandon. Brandon was one of my uh, group members for a lot of units in undergrad. Yeah, no, it was fine. I think we did IA together. Yeah. Oh, no, you did IA earlier. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, it was derivatives. Deri- yeah, derivatives. That's the one. Yeah, and then Brandon <laughs> yeah. sparked me down. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great unit. No, I wish I was back in university. Like, I don't know. That's the commerce was like, that was three years. It was probably definitely one of the, like, yeah. the best times of my life for and sure. you did uh internships almost every summer right a summer yeah winter. so i did an internship basically every summer winter except for my first winter and first year every other summer winter holidays in my second year and third year i was interning yeah so it's kind of back to back so you mentioned you went to melbourne mm. uh to do some investment banking um what was what company was that and what yeah. did you actually do there and what was your role yeah so I did a summer internship um, after my third year at university at JP Morgan, and that was in their investment banking division, um, specifically in their metals and mining group. So metals and mining, investment banking, which is basically merging the acquisitions. Mm-hmm. So advising on kind of whether a company should buy another company or not um, based on their valuation. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was working on throughout the summer there. Um, it was obviously very, very intense. If anyone kind of knows about investment banking, yeah. the hours are very harsh. Yeah. Um, you learn a lot. But yeah, it's not something that I could see myself doing sustainably. Yeah. Even, even as an intern, I remember you telling me 
that you were working long hours as well, hey, as investment. Yeah, bank. I think it's very well known that I think your intern and like your first year um, at being an investment bank is kind of the worst time of your life in terms of <laughs> in terms of like the hours you work. Um, I think it doesn't get any doesn't get much harsher. Yeah. Um. I, yeah, I don't see it in like any other kind of profession where you work that many hours. Um. But obviously, you learn a lot, so like yeah. people do kind of enjoy for that experience as well. Yeah. Could you give us a yeah. dive into what consultancy actually is and what it comprises of? Yeah, this is honestly a tough one because um, people always ask what I do yeah. and it's always hard to actually nail it on the head. But basically when I, I don't know, when I explained to my mum and dad when I first got the role, yeah. it's basically kind of a doctor for a business mm-hmm. in terms of a business comes to kind of a consultancy like Band & Company and they ask you about any kind of problem in the world. But basically... Consultants kind of work in teams that are very diverse, mm-hmm. where no one has a specific subset of skills. It's, we're just kind of great thinkers, um, and we're proven to think um, in strategic ways and to understand a problem and then kind of find a solution. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've thought we've been thought frameworks that kind of allow us to diagnose a problem and then come up with a solution. So that's what we do. So companies come up with a wide range of problems in any industry at all. Mm-hmm. We kind of nail down a team that can kind of solve that, and we do that for a scope of work. Yeah, um, and, and it's a bit hard and difficult, your role, because these companies come to you because you guys are specialized in solving complicated problems, yeah, right? Yeah. And the thing is, they won't come to you or any consultancy and pay that premium mm. if they can solve it themselves, right? And of yeah, course, they exactly. would have already tried solving it themselves and yeah, they just can't yeah, yeah. do it. I think like why they come to us rather than kind of do it in-house yeah. is basically we have a bunch of experience from kind of the leadership group who've been across kind of that industry for a long time. Mm. But also Bain has been around for a long, long time. So there's someone in the world at Bain that has seen this problem somewhere and we draw from that experience. Yeah. So like, even though me personally have not, I have not personally kind of been involved in the experience in a problem like this, mm. someone in this Bain network has, and we can kind of draw from their learnings onto their kind of problem. And the community is very large and very kind in that I can send out an email to anyone in the world and they're willing to help. And if the LT, like one of the partners from Perth, they're, they're easily, can just ring up anyone in like mm. Dallas, New York, if yeah. there's a problem that's very similar and everyone's kind of welcoming, welcomes that. Yeah. Um, to the extent that we're like, it's very common where we ring up like Bain alumni mm. who have experience in this industry um, and could help with kind of, slu- kind of the solution. Yeah, yeah. So is there a lot of travel associated with your role? Yeah, been a lot of travel. Um, I think it's kind of known that if you go into consulting, um, there is quite a lot of travel and you expected to travel. Um, being based in Perth, I think you travel more than usual because there's a lot of Sydney and Melbourne cases. Um, the cases that are in Perth are mining specific, but basically all other cases, all the headquarters are based in Sydney and Melbourne. So most of the cases you have to fly if it's yeah. not mining. So why do they, why don't they just hire more people, more consultants in that specific city mm. rather than yeah. having to fly you? Yeah, no, in? that's a good question. Like basically, Bain specifically works from a global pool. So there's a pool of consultants and they are spread out across Australia. Like we have people in like Adelaide and Brisbane who are kind of, we don't have an office there, mm. but there's people there. Um, so there's a global pool of consultants and we don't solve for like where we think there's going to be projects. Yeah. We just think there's talent everywhere. Yeah. And then we just know that there's talent everywhere and wherever the project is, that's when we fly the talent there. Mm. Um, so we don't solve about 
where the project is located and, and kind of find talent just there because mm. we know that there's talent everywhere yeah um so that's why we don't mind flying people kind of across across the country yeah just because we believe that under the best talent is everywhere yeah yeah exactly and during covid when everyone was in lockdown especially mm. if you have a case that is uh you know in melbourne or sydney mm. and we weren't able to leave wa yeah what was that like yeah I think last year, obviously, it was very, very tough for everyone involved. Um, and everyone, I think all industries felt definitely a change the way you work. Mm-hmm. Um, consultancy was no different in that, obviously, we were expected to travel very on, on a weekly basis um, in some cases. Mm. That all came to an end last year. So basically, last year, I only traveled maybe once at the start of the year. Mm. And then I was trying to Jolton for a specific case. Yeah. But apart from that, everything was kind of over Zoom. Yeah. Um, which was a huge change kind of our working style. Previously, it was all about kind of getting everyone together in a room and kind of whiteboarding and brainstorming together. Yeah. Um, and that's much, much easier to do in person rather than kind of Correct. virtually. Yeah. So I think people had to learn. We had to kind of learn from our experience, um, draw from kind of other consultancies who've kind of done Zoom and kind of worked virtually before. Mm. Um, but that was a learning process. Yeah, so the thing is, with consultancy like you said, you're expected to fly yeah. a lot, right? To travel yeah. and meet with the teams and all that. But because of COVID, a lot of people started working from home. Mm. And this is like the new way of moving forward. Like mm. yeah. working from home is much more known now, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. Does this really impact the future of flying for consultancy? Mm. I honestly, I was very concerned about that as well. Because mm. I personally find kind of the flying aspect of consultancy, I know, very interesting in that I enjoy that a lot and that's mm. one of the main drivers of why I enjoy this type of and work. You can go to places. I've got to new places. places. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like being there on the ground, meeting yeah. new clients. So I was scared that that could change in the future. Yeah. But what I've learned since the kind of the beginning of this year where COVID has kind of died down a little bit in Australia and it's been a bit more open across kind of states is that we're kind of returning back to normal where we are flying consultants everywhere again. again. And I think the main reason is that even though virtually is good and can be done, um, it's just not the preferable solution for some cases. Um, and that's just because clients, we need to meet clients on a daily basis. I get flown right now to Brisbane yeah. and biggest perk of being flown there every week is that I get to see my clients and I get it. It's much easier to get data from them. It's much easier to interact with them and brainstorm with them and understand where they're coming from compared to being on zoom. Yeah. Um, where it's just much harder to kind of grasp what they're saying. So I think it's still definitely the most preferable solution to come and go there and solve it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you talked about statewide travel. What about international travel? How's that going? Yeah, so same deal. I think international travel is preferably to kind of be co-located together, but it's been much, much tougher this year. Um, there's been kind of close to no, none yeah. um, international travel this year at all. Um, I think my intention when I first came to Bain was that I would do kind of a couple years in Australia. Mm. And then most consultancy, most global consultancies offer kind of, and we call it a transfer, yep. where you do six months abroad into a new city. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I was hoping to do after two years kind of being in Australia. Now, the kind of prospect of that happening doesn't seem that likely or not in the near future, just because it's much tougher to mm. just go anywhere internationally, right? Yeah. So yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen anymore. But why not in the near future? I mean, if everyone's mm. taking the vaccines and 
Yeah. Um, Australia is no longer in lockdown. Everyone's still traveling. Do you think they'll just remove the, the, the opportunity to go abroad? No, definitely not. I, that is still, still, still definitely needed. Um, people want to go abroad. It all depends on the COVID situation and how that Mm. resolves. Um, Bain's obviously going to offer this program forever. Um, I think it's highly demanded and highly kind of valued by all the Bain Mm. employees, but it's all dependent on kind of how COVID plays out. Yeah. Is it very competitive? I haven't gone through the experience myself, but I think for the major kind of most common cities like London, New York, San Francisco, those cities are very competitive to get into. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're just going to kind of another city in Europe, I don't think it's yeah. that as competitive. Yeah. So you're, you wanted to go to New York. Why specifically New York? Yeah. So when I was thinking about it, I was thinking New York, San Francisco or Chicago. That's, those are my three options. Um, just because I haven't really experienced firstly the U S that much. Mm. So I want to go to U S city. Um, in terms of those three cities, those three cities are kind of our largest kind of Bain offices. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think those would be kind of the most enjoyable. San Francisco obviously is kind of the more techie kind of hub. Um, Chicago just seems like a fun city to be in. Yeah. And then New York is the big apple, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything happens in New York. Yeah, yeah. It's like I think at any point in my future, I want to live in New York for like at least six months. I think that's a natural thing for me. Yeah. So, does Bain have any training programs for fresh graduates who are joining? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we take training very seriously at Bain. When you first come in as a graduate, you do two weeks in Sydney, mm-hmm. um, kind of as it's a pre-training before starting on the job. Yeah. And then after that, we have a global training where you're meant to do two weeks at a, a global office. Um, that's been kind of scrapped um, for now, just mm-hmm. during because it's a COVID environment yeah. and that's been done virtually. But when I first joined, I went to Cape Cod, which is right next to Boston. Mm-hmm. I was there for two weeks. Yeah. Um, and then at every major promotion, um, you do another global training. So when I got promoted from associate consultant to senior associate consultant, mm-hmm. I got a week of training and I was meant to, in a pre-COVID world, there are like three major options. You can go to either Lisbon, Ooh, correct me. No, I think it was Phuket or Cancun. Mm-hmm. Those are the two options. Um, but due to being in a COVID environment, I just went down to Hunter Valley for a week. And where's, that was... Hunter Valley? Hunter Valley is near Sydney. Um, it's oh, a winery okay. in near yeah. Sydney. But you went there for a week, which is honestly like a month ago. And that was a great experience. It was still called Global um, Senior Associate Consultant Training. Mm. Um, and it was all over Zoom. And you meet all the other senior associate consultants who have just got promoted yeah. all around the globe. So that's been a great experience. And apart from kind of the global trainings that happen at every kind of promotion Mm. period, there is kind of ongoing training that for every kind of tenure, you do kind of a monthly training where it's a one day of training. Yeah. um, Just to make sure you're up to date with the kind of latest skill set of BAME um, frameworks. Um, But also just kind of, we do lots of different training kind of on like gender, diversity, but also kind of different industry deep dives at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So at these training sessions, specifically the ones where, you know, all the associate, sorry, all the senior associate consultants yeah. are together. Yeah. Um, what do you actually do there? What type of training is that? Yeah, so senior associate consultant training, um, at that tenure, you're just starting to kind of manage your own kind of work process. 
So there's obviously a different type of skills um, compared to kind of being a social consultant where you kind of more dived into kind of that, that analytics in terms of kind of doing the modeling and creating slides. As a senior social consultant, you're doing more of the work planning and then sometimes you're also managing below. So you're managing a social consultant. Yeah. So there's obviously trainings for those um, kind of new skill sets that you now need to come and mm-hmm. learn because now you're in a new position. Yeah. Um, so those are the kind of the main new kind of skills that you have to learn and that's what they try and teach yeah um at those kind of training sessions yeah so what are the major differences sorry because you yeah um like what are the differences between the positions at bain or as mm. consultants yeah so let me first explain i guess how you progress um your career at bain firstly you do kind of two years as an associate consultant yeah um after that you do one year as a senior associate consultant mm-hmm. then i think you do three years as a consultant and then you become a manager for a year. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you become a senior manager. And then I think the timelines get a bit fuzzy. Yeah. It's all about kind of whether you're hitting the right kind of KPIs. And you get promoted from a senior manager to associate partner. Mm-hmm. And then from associate partner, you become a partner. Um, and then I think like a small subset of the partner group get promoted to a director level. So there's a, I guess, a timeline specifically to get to the manager level. And then after that, it's... Yeah, it gets, it gets a bit more fuzzy. It gets yeah. about, like, are you actually performing um, and you're hitting kind of these things. But usually, like, at, at, at every kind of promotion, like, it's not only about your tenure, right? Mm. So there's also people in my style class who did two years as a social consultant but did get promoted to a senior social consultant. Yeah. Um, but that's very common. Um, you just have to hit a certain, a certain skill set um, and that's judged based on kind of we have case reviews after each project we do. So, so like a lessons learned. Yeah, like so basically after each project, yeah. um, you get reviewed by kind of your consultant or your manager on your performance. And at Bain, there's kind of three main things that we look at. And that's firstly is problem solving. You mm-hmm. get scored for your problem solving. Secondly is your client skills. And thirdly is your team building skills. Yeah. So those are the three kind of major criteria and there's obviously criteria under that mm. um but if you're hitting all those three for your tenure then you get promoted yeah um and that's how it works it's, it's quite it's quite detailed in the way they look at you um they take a lot of kind of everyone's perspective from all your cases before kind of putting yourself up for promotion and then kind of getting you to that next um next promotion yeah so could you give us a bit of an explanation of what each role does yeah, yeah, for sure. So I would start with the associate consultant. Associate consultant is usually your powerhouse. They call it the powerhouse in that they are deep within the data. Um, they do the crunching. Um, they make slides. Can, a senior associate consultant is similar to the associate consultant, but now you're more taking, you're taking more of a role of kind of owning your process and taking more of a client side at the same time. So you're interacting with clients a bit more. Consultant is you're definitely managing an associate consultant now. You're owning the work process um, and you're owning kind of all client interactions. And then as you're kind of senior manager and manager, you're owning the whole case. So obviously there's work streams under your under a case, there's different work streams. Mm-hmm. Your manager has to be across all those work streams and then also bring it up a year and present that back to the client. And then after that, you've got your associate partner and partner. And they just give high-level direction and steer um, on where the case is going. And they deliver that to kind of the senior senior clients. 
Yeah. So you you mentioned a lot of client interaction in all these roles. Yeah. As an associate consultant, as a graduate, do you get a lot of exposure to clients? Definitely, definitely. Um, from day dot, you are kind of interacting with clients. Um, well, your case is based at the client side, so it's hard not to actually stay away from clients. As a social consultant, my first case was I was interacting with someone who was kind of handling me data and I had to kind of crunch it. But then also I created a model at the end of the case that I had to kind of show and present um, to kind of the, the committee and the kind of the case the client um, of how the model worked. Um, so literally from day dot, there's an expectation that you're kind of can and willing to work with clients mm. um, and can present your findings back to them. Yeah. And when, when you say clients, yeah. um, what seniority level are they within that company? Yeah. So it depends on the case specifically. Mm. Um, but I think as an associate consultant, you're obviously working with kind of the more junior people. It's kind of like your tenure should match their tenure on the client ah, side. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's how it usually works. And depending on how big this case is for that client, um, like the senior kind of most partner could be working directly with the CEO. Yeah. Um, but maybe sometimes if it's like a mining case, that partner could be just working with kind of the, the general manager of that yeah. site. Yeah. Because the, the case is kind of specific mm. to that site. Mm. Um, but yeah, it depends on the case. Right now, the case I'm working on is that the partners are literally talking to the board and executive committee oh, wow. on a weekly that's basis. Big. Yeah. Um, but that's, but that's also, it's all dependent on kind of yeah. how the case is like managed. Do you, do you get to interact with the boards and everyone? I, I personally can say I have not interacted with the board or executive team, yeah. but like it's, it's nice to be on kind of Zooms where I kind of, I'm in the readouts yeah. where like my partners and my senior managers are kind of presenting the findings to the executive committee. Yeah. And you can see that my work is directly there. Um, which being is, presented. Right? Yeah, directly yeah. being presented. So that's like super, super nice in yeah. that all this work is actually getting used and like it goes right to the top. Um, so that's a great experience. You can hear like their direct kind of feedback and what they're thinking as well at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So even though I'm not presenting it, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm on the call, I'm, I'm hearing kind of the CEO. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's great to be part of those conversations. Yeah, they're giving direct feedback as well so you learn as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And like, it's something I loved about Bain and that Bain tries to kind of involve everyone in the case um, and give everyone kind of context about where this work is going. Mm-hmm. It's not just work and then it's done. Yeah. Um, we can see the, like the work be picked up by the client. Yeah. Um, and that gives you kind of this sense of like this work is actually impactful. Yeah. You talked about how consultants work in basically every industry, right? Yeah. What industries have you actually worked in? Yeah, that's good. Um, I spent my first year or first, first six to eight months mm. in mining. Mm-hmm. So I did that for six to eight months. After that, I did a stint in private equity. So Bain has a private equity group. Mm-hmm. And I did six to eight months um, in private equity. After that, um, I, did, I think two more months in mining. And then I've done a month in the gambling industry, which is quite interesting. <laughs> that was pretty unique and niche. Yeah. Um, Pretty relatable, <laughs> but um, no, that was a great learning experience. And now, more recently, into the aviation industry. Yeah, and what are the I guess the key differences between all these industries? What skill sets like do yeah. you apply the same skill sets in all industries, or do you have to have different skill sets? Yeah, no. Obviously, I think 
they all don't, they all require the same skill set and that they're all very transferable. You don't have a specific, I haven't come into Bain with a specific skill set in one industry. They expect you to learn the industry and then kind of learn the problem and then work off kind of what Bain has taught you about kind of this problem solving in general. Mm-hmm. What I can say is that the private equity group is, is very different to kind of the general pool cases. So at Bain, Bain specifically um, has a private equity group, which is very different to the general pool in that we consult private equity groups and private equity groups buy and sell firms. So they come to Bain asking whether they should buy, whether kind of commercial, it makes commercial sense to buy or sell a company. Why would they go to a consultancy to do that when they can go to an investment bank who is doing the same thing? Yeah, so it gets, it gets detailed in that the private equity group engages both. Um, so they engage the consultancy group to make sure it makes commercial sense in terms of does the business stack up against its competitors? Does the market look good in the, in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of why they engage an investment bank is that they get the direct valuation from the investment bank. So the investment bank models how much it's actually worth and how much you should be willing to pay for it. Ah, uh, okay. As a consultancies, we don't, we don't rock up with the numbers for valuation. That's the investment banker's role. We just say the market is looking good. The, like their competitive position is good. Um, and assess them kind of on a market basis, but don't give anything to do with kind of the valuation or whether uh, how much okay. they should pay. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So out of all these industries, which one was your favorite? Honestly, my experience, um, I think there's two kind of experiences that I personally think have been the best. One was kind of my six month spiel in the private equity group. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just because the rate at which you come to a solution or come to kind of an answer is extremely fast because the private equity groups are kind of, they, they are private equity groups in general, kind of ex-bankers or ex-consultants. So these are extremely talented individuals. Um, which expect a kind of an extremely high caliber of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they, their expectation and demand of brain work is much higher than kind of our normal clients. Even though it is higher, like you do a lot of work and it's super, super, um, super, super meaningful because you come to an answer very quickly. And at the end of the day, the private equity takes it and says, do we want to buy this or not? And we directly feed into that answer yeah, and you can see yeah. it. Like if, if we do think it's a good, good buy and does make commercial sense, the private equity group would honestly most, most of the time engage with that firm. Yeah. And because it's a very fast paced moving environment as a consultant, does it get quite stressful and how do you manage that stress? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, yeah, consultancy is not your kind of normal nine to five job. And you have to know that coming into kind of that industry, um, basically you have to try and carve out kind of specific times where you kind of block out times in the calendar where you want to do something that's kind of outside of work. So what I've done, we call them virtual pets at Bain. Virtual uh, pets. Virtual pets. Yeah. So basically it comes from the, <laughs> the, the sense of having a pet at home that you have to take care of. Yeah. So we, we call them virtual pets. And it's basically one thing during, or like, a thing or a hobby that you want to achieve mm-hmm. during a work week mm-hmm. um, that you have to achieve. So mine is usually going to the gym or playing soccer. Mm. Um, so right now I play soccer once or twice a week. Yeah. I try to gym kind of once or twice during a work week. Yeah. So that's my virtual pet. Um, and the team and everyone knows that. So at the end of the week, 
we go around the kind of the room and go, has everyone kind of achieved their virtual pet? Mm. Um, and if they haven't, we take it pretty seriously in that we try to understand why, why that's not the case and yeah. whether we can kind of uh, make that experience better and achieve that for next week. Um, so I think that is one of the main things when I think about the sustainability, you, there is things and goals you should have in mind before going to a work week that is kind of stressful because it's very easy to fill your calendar and do more and more work mm. um, because there is more and more work that can be done, but you should stop yourself and think about there is other stuff outside of work that you want to achieve. Yeah. As a consultant, do you attend a lot of meetings during the day? Because you just said that mm. your schedule can be filled up quite quickly. Is that yeah. all? I think it, it ranges from like different tenures. Me as a senior social consultant, my normal day looks like there's a start of day, which is basically a group huddle mm-hmm. at the beginning of day, trying to understand where everyone, what, what everyone is working on yeah. um, and what is kind of the, what's, what success look like at the end of the day. Yeah everyone kind of spells that out on a piece of paper. Um, so that's kind of happened maybe like 8.30 or 9. Mm. Um, after that, you could have some client meetings where you're trying to get some data or you, there's like a brainstorming session mm. with your client about kind of a problem that we're trying to fix together. Mm-hmm. Um, that ranges by case, but usually you kind of have one kind of client interaction a day. Um, then there's kind of a content session you usually have during the day, which basically means at, for an hour, um, everyone comes together, and there's a specific type, there's probably a specific, specific work that you want to discuss with the, with the partner. Mm. Um, and you present that to kind of your manager and your partner as a group to get their input on whether this is the way you should tackle it or not. Uh, okay. So that's like an hour, um, we call that a content session. And then after that, um, it all ranges, but basically this could be more like case, um, so client interactions. And then there's the end of day, which basically looks like this is around 4 or 5 p.m. We discuss, is there anything left to do today? Mm. And if so, how long is that going to take? Can anything be moved on for tomorrow? Or is it completely urgent right now? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how the day is structured. So the culture's really good there then? Yeah, we all, like, I think at start of day and end of day, we always think about, like, what is success? Mm. And then does all this need to happen now and today? And if not, can we move it to tomorrow? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we also kind of use... We try to kind of leverage technology as much as possible at the mm, same time. Mm. So I'm not sure if you've heard about Trello. No. But Trello is definitely something that most case teams are being used now. Yeah. And it's basically a piece of software where you just there's kind of three columns and it's basically to do, doing, and done. Yeah. Or like there could be another one called like monitoring or stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But basically there's the cards or like this kind of tasks that you manage and people are tagged to each task. Yeah. So we usually use that kind of piece of technology as a function of kind of understanding what everyone is working on throughout the day. And you can kind of very easily track what's mm. left to be done yeah. and what has been completed. Yeah. So are you, are you only on one case at a time or can you be put onto multiple cases? Ooh, that's tricky. <laughs> at Bain and I think most global consultancies, um, you're put on one case at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're kind of a senior manager and below, um, I, I think if you were getting two cases, that'd be insanely hard in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know what consultancy groups do that. There could be some. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, when you're an associate partner and a partner above, like then, you're yeah, then you're overlooking everything. So you have a bit more time. Mm. Um, you overlook, I think like, I don't know, it could range from like three to five cases. 
Um, but they're just giving kind of high directional input, mm. um, but also have to kind of engage the clients in all those cases. Yeah. But they're not kind of diving into kind of the detail of mm-hmm. each case. Yeah. And have there been any opportunities, no, sorry, not opportunities, have there been any occasions where you just don't have a case to work on? Yeah. Those are great times. <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those are great times in that I think Bain is lucky that, lucky and not so lucky in that, we have a solid kind of pipeline of work. Um, and usually those times where there's no many cases, it's very rare. Yeah. But when that does occur and you're not staffed on a specific case, mm. um, there's kind of two things that could happen. Yeah. One is that you do client development, which is kind of business development where you're doing proposals um, or just kind of industry overviews, um, kind of creating IP for Bain yeah. or you're kind of pitching for work. What's IP, sorry? Um, intellectual property. Yeah. So you're just creating kind of Bain IP that they can use in okay. future cases. Yeah, yeah. Um, or you're pitching for new work that they can now get. Um, if that is not been done, then you're literally doing nothing. Um, we call it being on the beach. On the beach. On hey? the beach. It's literally the term where you're allowed to go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we call it. And you have no work. Um, that's rare. That's so happening. Like a little holiday. Yeah, yeah. So basically, I don't know what the standing rule is, but... I think at, at Bain, it could be this, like, if no one calls you after, like, I don't know, 12 p.m. Um, and you're not on a case and no one's giving you any work on, like, kind of business development, you're officially kind of on the beach where yeah. you're, like, allowed to kind of, like, get up, get out, go to the beach um, and expect that your day is kind of off. Yeah. Um, but you're still kind of getting... But you're on call, right, essentially. Yeah, you're on call. You're on call. But obviously, all the work is not so urgent um, because they would have called you earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. So you just value those opportunities because it is rare and like you have to take that time off just to like relax because at any point in time, your next kind of week could be insanely stressful because you could be on a very tough client case. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just value those moments a lot. Yeah. Um, and you try and do as much as you can just yeah. to kind of relax and debrief. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you can be writing proposals for new work as one of the tasks, mm. right? So as yep. consultants, do you have to tender for these works or do mm. the clients come to you and just say, we need yeah. help? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think there's a bit of both. Um, there is a times where there's a scope of work that uh, a company has come up with and they go out to arrange a number of consultancy and go, all right, pictures, your best team and what you would do for us. Mm. Um, that's one thing. But I think majority of our work is literally just, we've had past cases with them. Mm. We have strong kind of relationships with kind of the executive team there. Um, they come up with work and they call us directly and go, we need your support here. Mm. Don't need a pitch, but like just tell us how you'd frame this and we're happy to kind of have you on board. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's less, I think it's more, I think most of our work is kind of informally driven by that sense, mm. kind of rather than being tendered out. Yeah. So do you have any advice for any uni students who are wanting to move into consultancy? Yeah, no, of course. I think there's no specific, like, there's no specific um, pathway to get into consultancy. Um, as a consultancy, you, no, sorry, consultants um, take a range of degrees. There's no specific degree that allows you to be a consultant. Yeah. Um, they recruit from any degree at any tenure. So there's no direct, like, you need to study this X, Y, Z yeah. to get into consultancy. I think the best way university students should kind of be ready for it is just be aware that it exists mm. um, and 
because it could be something that you can enjoy for sure. Just be aware that it exists. Talk to people who've kind of in the process, who are at consultancies, um, and understand if you enjoy it or not. But I think the best way is just maybe get involved in kind of, there's a few, at, any, at every university, there's usually a few organizations that kind of know about consultancy. There's a consultancy group. Um, you mean cl- uni clubs? Right? Yeah, uni clubs, yeah. yeah. So I think uni clubs are the best way to kind of understand a bit more about the consultancy groups and hopefully they come down to kind of campus so you get to know them a bit better. And then I honestly think like the best way is just kind of interviewing there and checking your CV in there um, just to understand the kind of the culture there as well. When you were in university, were you a part of any university club? Yeah, so I was part of a couple kind of consultancy groups when I was at university. Um, all of them definitely helped me kind of get into consultancy, mm-hmm. but also helped me get aware of what it is yeah. um, before making a decision of whether I want to be in it or not. Mm-hmm. And I strongly recommend kind of getting involved in these kind of groups because of those two reasons. Um, I think there is two types of consultancy groups that do exist when I was at university. Yeah. One was just kind of a group where they just kind of bring consultancy groups to campus um, and they kind of uh, do the usual kind of recruitment kind of pitch so to networking. you. Networking. Yeah. Se- yeah, net- networking sessions. Um, the second one being there is kind of when I was at university, there is kind of a non-for-profit kind of consultancy group where the group is a consultancy, but for non-for-profits. Um, so there's a group called 180 Degrees Consulting oh, yes, and yes. also when Western Australian University Consultants. Yeah. Um, both those two groups um, hire kind of, they don't hire, but they recruit um, university students and they act as a consultancy group for non-for-profit organizations, very similar to kind of global consultancies that do it for profit. Yeah, so it's just a good experience, hey? Yeah, just the good experience and understanding. It gives you a very good understanding about what consultancy is like and that it comes up with a team of kind of team of kind of four or five people from different backgrounds to tackle a problem that no one knows about, um, in an industry that no one knows about. Mm. So it's very easy to understand what consultancy is by just going through that process with kind of a an organization like that. Yeah. And what I guess type of personality are like do these global consultancy mm. companies look for? Because obviously you have mm. to be good at public speaking, right? Because you have to yeah. present. Like what other skills would you require? Yeah, it's um it's pretty interesting because at consultancy, like in your kind of first week of training, they at Bain specifically, you're you do this test called the MBTI test, um, which is basically a personality test. And the personality test groups you into, I think, 16 types of kind of personalities. Um, But basically, we did this test, and then I went to my global session, um, global training session, and people kind of showed everyone what their personality personality kind of um, result was. Mm -hmm. And the answer is that we recruit everyone because every single personality was that kind of representative in that group. There wasn't skewed to one compared to another yeah um so i don't think there's kind of a specific trait in that you have to be kind of an extrovert or you have to be good at kind of analytics um like we have kind of introverts we have people who are not that great at kind of public speaking but are better at other things mm. um so i don't think it requires there's no requ- like requirements in terms of skill set yeah. or personality um we recruit all different types of people and that's kind of the major reason we are successful because the main the main point of consultancy is that we bring people from different backgrounds with different kind of strengths and weaknesses mm. to think in a way um, collectively as a group to solve a problem. Yeah. 
you know, and for the uni students out there, if anyone wants to apply to Bain, uh, what is the interview process like and mm. how do they apply? Yeah, so I think in Australia, um, consultancy groups usually um, go out for recruitment kind of earlier in the year, so around like February or March. Um, and the process is quite quite tough in that it's quite lengthy. Um, usually kind of you submit your CV with a cover letter to all the consultancy groups. They do two kind of first round interviews. After that, there is three second round interviews. And then that's when they kind of tell you whether you got it or not. But basically your first round is your two 30 minute interviews and they're usually case specific interviews. Mm-hmm. They're, usually, they're called case studies. Um, well, basically is they give you kind of a problem, a business problem, mm-hmm. and they ask that to you. Um, and you are meant to frame up that problem and try and come up with a solution for that problem. Yeah. So usually those case studies are based on kind of a mining, or sorry, based on a case experience that partner or that manager or that consultant has kind of experienced in the yeah. past. Yeah. So it's super relatable exactly what Bain or like what that consultancy group does. Mm-hmm. And they're asking to the student to see whether they come up with something similar and whether their kind of understanding and logic and framework is very clear and mm. structured. Um, but at the same time, that case study, they want to teach and test your kind of your maths as well. Um, and basically how you structure and come up with a problem, come, yeah. come up with a solution. Yeah. So you do those kind of two 30 minute case studies and then that's usually at that senior manager or consultant level. Mm-hmm. And then for the second round, you do three case study interviews and they're usually at the partner level. Yeah. Um, and after that, they kind of look through all those case studies and have a pretty good indication about whether I don't know, you, you're kind of, yeah, the, the way you think is kind of well structured enough um, and logical to kind of have a role. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much for that insight on what consultancy is like. Brandon, really appreciate it. And I'm sure a lot of students that are listening, or if there are any students who are listening, (laughs) uh, uh, found it interesting and uh, are more motivated to join consultancy. Yeah, not a problem, Colin. I think um, if anyone is listening and keen to kind of grasp and kind of understand consulting in a bit more detail, feel free to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to kind of step you through what consultancy is or the application procedure. Cool. Thank you. Thank you.